Episode number 14 with Laura Penn. Welcome to Currently Wearing Presents. I am Miriam, a lifestyle blogger living in Switzerland. I believe that mindfulness, awareness and gratitude are three keys to happy and fulfilled life. Each week we introduce you to inspiring people from Switzerland and abroad and we hope that their thoughts will open your mind and change your life. Dr. Laura Penn is passionate about public speaking. As a Toastmasters European Champion of Public Speaking, author of the book How to Enhance the Performance of Public Speaking and the host of two online television shows, Laura transforms the way that we speak in public. She has had enough of watching good people deliver bad presentations and lives to disrupt what she considers to be the broken and dysfunctional status quo for public speaking. Seven years ago, she founded the publicspeakingschool.com to provide state-of-the-art training in public speaking for clients in the not-for-profit academic and private sectors. Today, Laura uses her eclectic background as a scientist and as a performing artist to revolutionize how we speak. So, without further ado, here is Laura Penn. Hi Laura, how are you? Feeling great. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Why did you decide to be a public speaker? How did you get this idea? There was no direct path to what I do. It's a meandering road, I'd like to call it. I was born into performance and danced and did theater until I was 22 years old. And somewhere in there while I was at university, I discovered science and wrapped myself around that as much as I'd done with performance. So I made a decision at college to not pursue the arts, but to pursue science and help the world in that way, in conservation biology. Did lots of degrees, did lots of field work, ended up in Switzerland in 2009, looked for work in my field, didn't find it. Found a niche in watching my peers who are conservation biologists try to put their ideas into the world, saving species, saving places, but talking about it really badly making mistakes, not connecting with the audience. You know, these are life or death messages. And conservation is a crisis discipline. And if you do that badly, these messages could mean the difference of getting funding to protect a species or changing people's mindset, what what have you. So I figured out that with my performance background and with the soul of love that I have for conservation biology, I could probably make a difference here. So I created this club communicating environment and it was a hit. So people in this community started to, to take my classes. It was a club where I helped them to, to speak, to perfect their performances, to get their messages clear. And for me, I was tinkering and experimenting with this business model and it worked. So then I thought, oh, let me push myself out there a little more. And then I started to coach TED events and be a speaker coach for that. And I started to move away from the conservation community a little bit, but still had them inside a little and, and worked with them, but I, I started to get further away and do more and academic, private, big events. 
and really just pushing this this new concept out there, which was that public speaking is a performing art. And as a performer myself, I can help people to learn how to perform this art. And that's how it all happened. And that's what I do now. And it's the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Can you tell us about public speaking as a performing art? I'd love to. You know, every time I say that public speaking is a performing art, I see a twinkle in people's eyes. And that twinkle is a realization that, aha, that's what it is. I find that the people who I work with, they have a hard time putting their finger on what public speaking is. So when I give them the framework that it's a performance art, it relaxes people because there's a method. And what's this method? I peg the performance of public speaking onto four pillars. Four things that constitute this performance element. And the first one is appearance. And this is all about what a person looks like from the outfit that they're wearing to what presence they radiate. So understanding the elements and the tools inside of that pillar is is a part of this understanding. The next pillar is the pillar of the voice. Your voice is an instrument and your job as a speaker is to play it so that people want to listen to what you have to say. And when you learn the skills and the techniques inside of this pillar, you get to know your voice. You free your voice into the world and your voice speaks from your heart. The third pillar is the pillar of your body. You are speaking body language when you speak. And you need to be fluent in the vocabulary, what gestures and positions mean so that you can make sure that you're using the right ones, not the wrong ones. And this is delicious. I love this. As a former dancer, this is juicy. Teaching people how to speak with their bodies is so nourishing. And when they learn this, they're fed from within. The fourth pillar, and this is the last one of the four, is the pillar of audience connection. And this is all about what you're doing as a speaker to try to connect with the audience so that you're on the same page. Those, I believe, are the four pillars which constitute the performance of public speaking. And it's by learning the skills and the techniques inside of these pillars that you get the tools that you need in order to create a performance. Something that sparkles, that reaches deep, that connects. And that's how it's done. What do you mean by speaking with heart? What's the technique that you're teaching? You know, this is luscious. We've all seen speakers who are speaking with their face. But you see something missing behind the eyes. So this is typical when you see somebody reading something and you hear the words and your brain is calculating and understanding what's being said. But then you're looking at the person's movement and the face and you see that something's missing. There's an incongruence between the message and the body. And this is this is what the, the missing piece is. People who speak with soul and from the heart have connected their minds with their bodies. And that comes out in their mouth <laughs> with the words that they're using. This is soulful speaking. And this is taught by helping people to understand specifically the pillar of the body and the pillar of the voice. When people understand that their breath and how they're standing and what they're doing with their hands and what energy you see behind their eyes, when people understand that those things are linked to your message, when people release themselves 
into what they're saying and they feel it, that's when they speak with soul. And this is a physical, emotional, and mental exercise. And there's not one thing that teaches this. It's layered. And it's work. And sometimes people cry. Sometimes people open to the point where they're releasing something into the world when they're speaking with their body and with their mind that they haven't seen before. Does it mean that you have to be also present when you're speaking? Instead of wondering about the past and the future, you have to be right here, right now? I love that question. The word presentation has the word present in it. As in being present. Being in the here and now. Being in the moment. One of the most important aspects of effective public speaking is to be 100% on. To be conscious and tuned in to what you're doing and to your surroundings. You bet. If you're not there, you're not there. I've even had people ask me, Laura, can I, can I drink alcohol before my speech to help me with nerves? Can I take some sort of weird pill? And I'm like, H to the no. You need to be fully there and present and connected. And somebody needs to be home behind your eyes. Because the audience will know if they're not. And, you know, I think about animals a lot because that is my, my, my past too as a, as a conservation biologist. I worked with chimpanzees for five years and they taught me many things. But one of the things that they taught me was how present animals are. You'll never meet an animal that's not present. They are tuned in. They're listening. They're looking. They're smelling. All their senses are being used. That's you on stage. You need to be that animal. That creature that's completely connected to yourself and to the audience. And that's how you give your best speech. What are the courses that you're offering and what can people learn from you? I deliver a range of different training sessions. One of my favorite ones is the art of effective public speaking, which I see as the keystone to understanding these four pillars that I talked to you about and giving people the tools inside of each one where people not only learn the theory of what all of that is, but they have the experience of living the training. So they're feeling it, they're doing it, they're making mistakes in a safe space, they're succeeding in a safe space. This is the environment that, that's created in that, in that session, in that training session. I also do one-to-one -one training, uh, which is very rich, very deep, uh, and it really enters into a person's specific needs where I can customize and tailor to what that person needs and seminars and large events, key, keynote prog uh, speaking and things like that. What do people get from me? You know what? I like to say that I open people. I open people into understanding this point of view that I, I spoke of earlier, that public speaking is a performance art and here is how you can do it. So that's usually a, a new thing, an awareness for people. I give people the tools that they need that are customized to what they need and that they can use and put to use straight away, which is exciting. I like creating this toolbox for people and then their, their toolbox is filled by the time they're done working with me and they're motivated usually and inspired and then they go out and start using stuff and then they come back and they fine tune. So there's a real relationship there of understanding the, the, the actual content, getting that content customized to the person And then having that person go out into the world using it and coming back, referring to me and asking questions if there are issues along the way. So it's a journey. It's a journey that people are on with me. 
uh, and I love every step of the way. It actually sounds that it can improve people's lives. Yes, I think that people learn how to become more concise. They learn not to have word fillers like, uh, mm, you know, like and sort of. So things are more sharp, defined. People take their time. One of the biggest notes I give is that people speak too fast. And this is because we live in a world where people are in a hurry or people are in a hurry to get over their presentation, to be done with it. So they speak quickly. They have a lot of content in a small amount of time. I love enriching people and telling people, that it's okay to speak slower and take your time. Another thing I, I think that people get from it is I help people to take up space, especially women. Women who feel like perhaps they haven't earned being there, or they don't deserve to be there, or whatever layering they have in their life or their minds. I help them to say, you know what? Stand a little taller. Take up a little more space on this stage. Use your voice in a way that fills this room. Do not be afraid to take up space. This helps people put themselves out into the world. And then can you tell us a bit more about the TED Talks where you were coaching people? Yeah, I love coaching TED speakers and TED-like events. To date, I've coached uh, about 85 people. And each person is like their own jewel in a jewelry box. Everybody's different. Everybody sparkles different. There's not one way to speak. Everybody is going to be different. There's no template. Everybody has their own strengths and their own style and their own funny quirks. And my job is to pull that person's loveliness out in all of those dimensions using the pillars that I talked about, but helping them to be authentic in themselves. So that is fun. And that's really a journey that, that the person and I go on together. So that relationship becomes really, really enriched. It sounds a lot like a personal development. Yeah, I think you could see it that way. There's a lot of listening. There's a lot of understanding. There's a lot of matching the, the performance with the person's energy. Very much so, yes. And you mentioned that you're working on a book. Can you tell us about it? What's the book about? You know, I reveal to you that uh, the book is still in the napkin phase. <laughs> so it's it's on a whole bunch of napkins uh, in this binder in my house. I have to push this idea out into the world. It's just something that I wake up thinking about every day. The working title is Soulfully Speaking. The operative word is soul. And this book is about how to speak with soul, how to be authentic, how to reach inside yourself and do what I said earlier, connecting your head with your heart and that coming out through your mouth. Doing that makes you feel alive. Doing that makes you feel like you've accomplished something and given something, presented. Here's that word present again, giving a present, giving a gift to the audience. This book is about helping people understand how to do that. Do you find some difference between uh, Swiss, Swedish, and an American audience when it comes to public speaking? That's a great question. Very much so. As a performer myself, I tailor my energy based on where I am. If I'm going to give a keynote speech in New York City, I'm going to be larger. I'll take up more space. My voice will be taking up more of the room. If I have that same keynote and I'm sitting somewhere in Switzerland, 
that's going to be tailored to the audience. I'm not going to take up as much space. You have to read your audience. You have to know who your audience is. And the best speech has really worked inside the context of who you're talking to, to work so that they feel comfortable receiving your presentation. At the same time, though, I do talk about authenticity. So part of me as a performer is to be a little out there, you know, to to shake things up a bit, to disrupt. So there'll be elements of that, but it'll be controlled depending on what audience I'm with. And that's, I don't like to say it this way because it sounds a little bit pompous, but it's true. That's a bit, that's quite advanced to have to, to, to be able to regulate like that. But once you learn that skill, your message is received better than if you don't know that skill. If you can't read a room, if you don't know what you're coming into. I've seen people crash and burn using the American model, you know, large, big teeth, big movements, big space, big hair, coming into an environment in Geneva and watching the audience just cringe and want to disappear into the chairs because that person's not connecting with those people in the room. Too much energy, too big. And, you know, you really need to know what your presence is and how to regulate it. It sounds to me that it's a lot about your intuition, tuning in, feeling. You betcha. And there's where that present word comes again. Being that, being conscious, being tuned in, listening, watching body language. I'm a student of reading body language. Ten minutes a day, I'll s switch on a reality TV show, put it on mute and just watch people talking with their bodies. You need to be really good at that as a speaker because the audience is talking to you the whole time you're talking to them. And you need to be listening to what that body language is telling you and adapting to it and working with it, being in the zone with that audience to be really effective. That sounds a lot like actually meditating because you have to be present. You have to be intuitive and work with the energy that is around You have to let go of your ego. There's no place for ego. Do you meditate yourself? Did you do some mindfulness training? I want to say yes. Uh, in a way, I have, but not formally, not classes, not trainers. Uh, but I meditate in nature. I always walk, and I'm very present when I'm outside, outdoors, hiking, connected to the ground, connected to the air, the trees, the birds, everything around me. And I always have a ritual before I do my keynote speeches and teach in training sessions where I ground myself and I do a lot of breathing exercises and I really connect inside with outside and I listen to music. Music is, especially before a performance, music is my way to get into the zone And I have to give Michael Jackson credit here. <laughs> Don't Stop Till You Get Enough is my theme song for life. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> I love Michael Jackson. I thought that you were going to say something like meditative music. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby, this is what makes your body move. Shake your body down, like the Jackson said. He also do like moonwalk. <laughs> oh, all over the place. I reveal to you that I used to be a break dancer. A self-taught breakdancer in the 80s. Uh, loving it. Still doing it. So how did public speaking and all that you're doing change relationship with your children? It's so great to be able to talk to them about the stuff that I discover and learn. Because I'm always learning. This is a lifelong learning 
skill. You're never going to be perfect. You're always going to have to work. So I bring them into the journey. I'm like, hey, you know, mommy made this really big mistake the other day. And I tell them about it and we chuckle together. And, you know, or hey, mommy just discovered this cool thing. And I watch them blossom in their school projects and they practice and rehearse their presentations. And they're really popular at school because they're good at talking in public. (laughs) And this grows their confidence and self-esteem. And I just think it's such a gift when children from a young age can learn these skills of talking in front of an audience and what that translates to for them as 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 citizens and people and you know self-esteem it goes a really long way so sharing this with my kids is part of my journey and part of theirs mm-hmm. now a question that i ask a lot of people what do you think about the role and influence of social media on our current society well being a child of the 1970s There's a lot about social media that freaks me out. I'm old school. I love just, you know, writing things down and keeping it keeping it real, as we like to say in New York City. At least that's what we said in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there are things about social media that, that I don't like. I don't like being out there so much to the extent where people can can find out and research you and find out what your hobbies are. I'm one of those people on Facebook. I never ask, answer the questions of what my favorite movies and books and things are. I don't want anybody else to know that. Unless you're my friend. If you're my friend, I'll tell you that live. So that kind of freaks me out. But at the other, on the other side of that, oh my goodness, the options of, of communicating and connecting the world are crazy. And I celebrate that I'm alive in 2017 and have access to the resources and to the channels and to the opportunities to connect and communicate what I have to say with the rest of the world. So it's really, it's, it's good and bad. And from the point of view of being a mother, it's also good and bad. I mean, my kids have to learn this stuff. By the way, I have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, a daughter and a son. They have to learn this stuff. They have to be knowledgeable and know how to navigate the good and bad in social media. So I, I celebrate that they have access to that, but we have a lot of controls at home. There's a box at the edge of the stairs at eight o'clock. All of the digital stuff goes in that box and they can't take it into their own bedrooms and tinker at night. So we have controls and regulations, yet they're they're open. You know, they, they, they have access and they need to learn. I think it's a great idea. I never heard of that the box. Oh yeah, my son designed it. There's a little note. It said, all our digital stuff goes in this box at eight o'clock. <laughs> wow, your son is enlightened. It's usually opposite way that the parents have to impose that. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. And it keeps them connected to what's real. They go read a book. They go have a conversation. They're not in their room under the covers with their, their devices. Yeah. It's very special because I think there's also the peer pressure. So it's impressive that your son designed it himself. Yeah, he's connected to that. He loves reading. He knows what it means to be in the now. Which is really awesome for an 11-year-old. Wow. Laura, I wanted to ask you about the event that you have in a role. It's very soon. Can you tell us about it? This event is my third baby. It was born in May of this past year, this year actually. And this event, High Performance Public Speaking, a two-day masterclass in the art of effective public speaking, is bringing together everything that I am and do and think and feel related to the field of public speaking. 
from the pillars that I mentioned to connecting your head with your heart, all of the, the tools and techniques, all of this is shared in a, in a space of two days. And I'm not the only teacher. I've curated the most incredible people who are experts in the voice, body, and storytelling to join me in teaching this masterclass. So the learning is extraordinary and internal and transformative. Working in small groups, being in a beautiful surrounding in the, the Rolle Castle, eating delicious food. I'm very conscious of creating an environment that's sensory and that people are in and immersed in, in the now and want to be there. So it's, it's a combination of the skills, the working on stuff, the environment, and the people who are there all for the same reasons. It's a very, very magical two days. And I don't know what's going to happen in this next one. We're going to see, but I've created this canvas where let's, let's see what happens. It's going to be on October 31st and November 1st, a Tuesday and a Wednesday. And it's going to rock. And uh, can you tell us if you work, because you mentioned that you work with individuals, you also work with companies, and how can your courses help companies? Yeah, I get approached by a lot of HR employees who are inside the learning and development side of their, of their companies, and they need a resource for their employees to practice these soft skills of public speaking, you know, in performance reviews or places where their employees have been evaluated and public speaking or verbal communication has been identified as something they need to work on. They need an outlet, a trainer like me to come in and deliver a master class, half day, full day, two days, you name it. So I tailor my work to fit what those HR professionals are looking for. Uh, and I really enjoy that work. It takes me all over the world, but it also introduces me to all these needs that people have. And the biggest ones are people want to work on their confidence. People want to find their voices. People want to know what to do with their hands. And I can offer them the skills and the tools that they need in order to take their speaking to the next level. Can you give us three tips what to do and what not to do? Never apologize. Don't be one of those speakers who starts your presentation with, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to be as good as the last speaker, or I'm so sorry that my slide is messy. Never apologize. It reduces your credibility. You start strong, and you stay strong and connected to what you're doing. Another thing, and I mentioned it earlier, uh, top three issues, so to speak, don't speak too fast. Take your time. People are there because they want to hear what you have to say. Don't be in a hurry to get your message out. Use pauses. Take your time with ideas. I tell people to use the punctuation of their sentences to know when to insert the pauses. A pause after a full stop has two beats. One, two. Right? A pause after a comma has one beat. If you're listing things... You have a one-beat pause between each item in the list. Once you've ended that sentence, you have a two-beat pause. It helps people to calibrate how they speak, and it gives them the rhythm that they need in order to be understood. The final one is to enjoy yourself. Every single person that I work with and that I've coached and held hands with and lived with in our work together, 
I always say the parting words before they go on stage. Enjoy yourself. Because at the end of the day, if that's your mindset, if that's how you're plugged into the experience, that's what's going to happen. And you repeated it twice that we should speak slower. I totally agree. My husband keeps telling that all the time to me. I find it really difficult because I don't even realize that I speak fast. That's the thing. It's really funny. You don't know that, that you actually speak fast. Yeah, it's 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 something that most people don't know because they haven't heard themselves speak. And when they do hear themselves speak, they're usually horrified. <laughs> And they usually say, that's not me on my my recording. That's not my voice. You know what? That is your voice. That's that's what we call your true voice. And the sooner you get to know that voice and to listen to your voice and to hear it, the better. So really do find opportunities to record yourself and listen and you will learn. You will learn about your speed. You will learn about your tone. You will learn about your energy and your presence through the sound of your own voice. And that's where you can start working on it. Laura, thank you very much. It was really interesting and revealing. I learned so much and I will try to speak slower and I'm speaking fast again. <laughs> no, I will really try. <laughs> This has been such a treat. I really appreciate you taking the time to ask me these fabulous questions. And you're a great speaker. You're too kind. Thank you. Oh, no, sorry. Actually, I should not apologize. <laughs> Never apologize. If you like this interview, subscribe to our channel so that we can inspire even more people together. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.